Varmt välkomna till Korskyrkan Stockholms podd Vardagstro. Detta är podden där vi pratar om hur tron blir synlig i vardagen på olika sätt genom livets olika omständigheter. Och det är en podd där vi vill få höra människors livsberättelser och prata om vad tro är för oss. Vi som leder denna podd heter det är jag, Jason Kim och Jessica Selin. Och Rickard är tyvärr inte med oss idag men förhoppningsvis så är han med nästa gång. Ja. Och idag har vi en spännande gäst. Vi har Christiana Lindé med oss. Hon är ganska ny medlem i ja, vår församling. Absolut. Mm. Men hon är engagerad som söndagsskoleledare här. Men mm. hon är också fru till Johannes. Mamma mm. till två fantastiska barn, Liv och Amos. Och om jag får säga så, en, en, bara en, en underbar, härlig människa också. Ja, precis. Ja, jag känner ju inte Christiana jätteväl så det ska bli väldigt spännande att lära känna henne lite mer idag. Men det som har slagit mig med henne är att det är så att man bara möter en väldigt varm människa mm. när man möter henne. Man blir alltid gladare när hon kommer och människor talar väldigt gott om henne. Flera som, som har varit med i söndagsskolan ja. som hon också är delaktig i bara sprudlar av glädje över Christiana. De är så här, wow, hon är en sån fantastisk kvinna. Hon sprider så mycket energi. Så som man får höra så otroligt mycket gott om henne. Eh, sen vet jag också, en av mina ungdomar har sagt efter att de hade en, en tjejkväll mellan generationerna eh, att eh, hon ville ville bli som henne i det sätt som eh, hon var ärlig med sitt liv och bara den liksom eh, hur hon var laid back i, mm-hmm. i sin tro och mm-hmm. i, i livet och bara vågade liksom skratta och eh, samtidigt prata väldigt djupa allvarliga saker mm-hmm. eh, och jag tyckte det var eh, väldigt, ja mm. det, det talar om att hon har både ett djup och samtidigt en, en lätthet som gör att människor kan, kan eh, liksom komma nära henne mm. på något sätt men ärlighet är också något som slår mig eh, när man tänker på Christiana. Um, jag har fått eh, ja, lära känna henne genom söndagsskolan. Jag har fått lära känna hennes man Johannes och deras barn och hur de är tillsammans. Och det finns något väldigt så här, prestigelöst mm, och pretentiöst med deras tro. It's mm. very, att det är väldigt så här, down to earth. Uh, och ja, man, man mår gott av att få, få möta den. Mm. Och man känner sig också så här att man kan själv vara ärlig. Mm. Och, och, och liksom kan, kan slapp, släppa sådana här masker och bara mm. vara sig själv och liksom möta en annan. Det, det, det är ganska skönt och frisk. Ja, det är ja. Det verkligen. Ja, så det här ska ju bli jättespännande tänker jag. Och idag är det du Jay som intervjuar mm. Christiana och det blir på engelska, eller hur? Precis, det blir ja, på engelska. Det blir på engelska. Mm. Så varmt välkomna att haka på. So welcome, Christiana. Thank you. <laughs> so good to have you here. You you were actually sitting here the whole time that we were speaking so well of you, and I've noticed that uh, that was a little difficult for you, huh? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> so I mentioned that you are you're Christiana. I mean, I, I relate to you very much in relationship to your family because it's, it's it's very important to you. So your husband, Johannes, uh, also a member of the church, a fantastic guy, uh, two wonderful children uh, who... I get so happy because 
so I, I work with children in the church, and not not maybe all children <laughs> think it's, it's fun to say hello to me, uh, or I might be intimidating, or I might just simply be too much. But I, I really get encouraged because your kids uh, call me Pastor Jay, and they always they always hug me every chance that they get, and I, it's so so wonderful. Uh, but is, is there what else would you like to do? Tell the people who are listening about who you are. Oh, um, I don't know that I can say much more. I, I do. Family is really important. I love my kids. Very thankful for Johannes. Very thankful to be involved in this church, and on a large part of that is thanks to you, Jay. Um, and um, yeah, just I moved. Uh, I moved here uh, to Sweden. How, how many years ago? <laughs> Nine years ago now. Mm. So it's it's t- it takes a while to come into uh, something new like this. So um, yeah, just trying to figure out uh, me here in Sweden. Yeah. And the reason why we're speaking in English is because you are from the United States of America. <laughs> there you go. Where in the United States of America? I'm from Maryland. Uh, well, Maryland. we moved around a lot of different places, but the last place I moved from was Maryland. Maryland. On the East Coast. The Terrapins? Yes. <laughs> what? I wow. did my research. <laughs> Go Terrapins. Terps. Wow. Mm-hmm. But let's get to know you a little bit better, and we have five quick questions for you. So what gives you energy? People. Mm. <laughs> That's an easy question. People. Mm. So COVID? Not- well, you know... <laughs> I've been fortunate enough to be able to start studying mm. uh, during COVID. Uh, so I've had at least some consistent contact with people. So learning people and, well, but it's, you know, it's trying, it's trying. <laughs> for it's everyone. Trying. Yes. <laughs> mm. What is your favorite thing right now? Um, <laughs> my favorite thing. Um, well, I just finished an internship. Right now, my favorite thing is that I get to be home in the evenings with my kids for dinner. So mm. that's a simple thing. But I'm, that's my favorite thing right now, that mm. I actually am home more. Yeah. So, <laughs> What is a trait that you most deplore in others? Deplore. Deplore, big word, yeah. <laughs> I know. Strong word. Oh, um, I think... I don't know if I would say deplore, but I really struggle to understand when people take themselves too seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, what is the trait that you most admire in others? Hmm. Kindness. We're going to leave it at that. That's good. <laughs> and a little serious question. What do you want to hear God say when you meet him face to face? Is to say, well done. Is that too cliche? <laughs> no, not that. I think that, yeah. Just to know that if, if he said well done for what you've done, uh, what I asked you to do, that would be... Oh, that would mean everything. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Chrissy. Now we're going to go into a little uh, deeper interview questions.
So we're going to raise a little bit more of a serious topic today. Um, mm. COVID has made us all aware uh, of how close death is to us all. And losing someone ex- unexpectedly is something that most of us will have to relate to one day. Um, we're, we've thought a lot, lot about you guys that are listening that's going through something like that and, and, and prayed for you guys. Uh, and our hope with this uh, podcast, with this episode, is that you will find comfort and encouragement uh, in that process of loss and healing. Um, Christy, you've been gracious enough to be willing to share with you your own experience of losing someone. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, I will, I suppose, start with uh, I, my being in college. Uh, I studied um, biblical studies and uh, vocal performance or opera. Uh, it was a double major, and um, while I was at college, I met a really great man named Anthony, who was on the pre-theology track, uh, so or pre-seminary track. So he was studying theology, and uh, we dated for three years, and were married uh, a week after graduation. So I was twenty-three, mm-hmm. and um, a week after we graduated, or I graduated. Um, and, uh, we were married for a year and four months when, uh, he had difficulty catching his breath and he was totally healthy. There was no, I mean, no cause for alarm or worry or even really to get things checked out. He was very healthy, played basketball. He was active. He just had a hard time catching his breath and I went to work and he, uh, passed away in the middle of the day while I was at work. Um, so I was a widow at 24. Now, could you tell us, uh, how in that experience, uh, how God met you, um, how, how he made himself known to you in that process? Yes, well, of course, there was a lot of shock and a lot of confusion and a lot of fear, um, I didn't, I, I, of course I didn't understand really what was happening, but, um, <clears throat> uh, on the way to the hospital, um, I was in my sister-in-law's car and, um, I just felt for the, f- I mean, I've always felt the Lord's presence in my life, but never so tangible as I did in this moment. We were in the car and the best way I can describe it is just like um, like a weighted warm blanket just just all just on my chest over all of me <clears throat> and I knew then without because I didn't at that point I hadn't I didn't know if, if he had passed away or not but I I mean no one had told me but I knew mm. um, and I knew that the Lord was asking me to walk through this and and there were no, I didn't hear him speak. There were no words, but I just knew, and I, I, just um, I just said, okay. Uh, if you want me to go through this, you you will need to help me because I don't know how. And uh, he was, he was there. His presence was there. I, I don't know how else to describe it or to, yeah, put it into words. Mm-hmm. But this was on your way after you heard that he, uh, yeah, I had I had called my my friend to take him to the hospital because I had talked to him and 
I thought, no, this is pretty bad. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was as bad as it was, but I asked my friend if he could take him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I was I was on my way to meet them at the hospital. But it, it, at the end, it had turned out that he actually had passed away on the way to the hospital. Uh, my friend, um, yeah, my friend was with him at, in the end and, and actually tried to do CPR until bef- the ambulance arrived to take him to the hospital. So I think that in the very moment, I, I really think it was like the same time when we compared like time lines. Mm. I just, the Lord was just so tangibly with me in the very moment. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. And I know that you're very close with your family um, and you were very uh, involved in church uh, mm-hmm. and you were quite involved in school as well. So there was quite a, quite a community that that was around you. Could you tell us a little bit about um, what community meant during this time? Uh, yes, I uh, community. My family, my family mm. first and mm. foremost, but uh, but community was was everything. I just um, and it could be. To do with my personality, as I said earlier, too, that my, I mean, the thing that energizes me and uh, feeds my <laughs> soul best is people. And the community then that surrounded themselves around me was uh, uh, so, so important. Um, my pastor opened his home to let me and my family stay there so that we could all be together. Um I had a family that flew in from from Texas and from Colorado, and everybody just came and and was there. Friends, church, um, I it was everything. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't eat. I needed people to help me with everything. Um, so, um, and and it gave me, I don't know, it, it gave me life. It gave me the ability to take the next breath because when something like that happens, it's, you just, you, it's like you, you feel like you could die because of the crushingness, the, the mm-hmm. weight of it, but you just don't, you just are still there and you have mm-hmm. to, you know, still make food. You still have to take a shower. You still have to look at people walking down the street who have no idea that something like this happened. You know, it's, it, I, but I was, I was totally, uh, I just couldn't do anything. So my, my community was everything. My sister allowed me to move in with her and her husband. So I moved with them for two years, and that was a really uh, important time for me and very special. And I think now the Lord blessed them. <laughs> I can't imagine what that was from their side. I can't imagine what that was like. But uh, for me, it was uh, it was such a sweet time to be surrounded by them. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to survive it without... Uh, the community that the Lord had me in at that time. My church, I was uh, on the worship team singing every week. I mean, my years was uh, involved there. And I just, yeah, an outpouring of uh, food and cards and all the things that you could possibly need. Um, uh, I felt very uh, cared for in every possible way. What were were there any kind of like key moments uh, when you're going through this process where you felt like that that helped you 
mm. kind of. I mean, move move forward. It's it's not that's oh, it's just a terrible way to put it. Um, to process to keep to moving you, to keep moving. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's it because you don't. It doesn't feel like any forward movement, mm. but you have to keep. You just have to keep moving. I have a, a friend, a, one of my dear friends, who. Um, um, she explained to me that uh, they they had had she and her husband had had a friend who previously well a friend that had lost both of his parents at once and they didn't know how to handle it so they mm-hmm. withdrew because they didn't want to you know they didn't want to overstep or to mm-hmm. you know to offend him in any way or anything they just withdrew and mm-hmm. later he was able to share that like that was probably the most painful because then he lost not the most painful but he lost his parents but also all of his friends because nobody knew what to say. And it wasn't because they wanted to, I mean, they wanted the opposite. They wanted to care for him, but didn't know how. Mm. So she told me, um, so she said that she realized that it was really, in the end, a fear of rejection. Mm. So she didn't care how many times I rejected her. She was going to just invite me to everything. Everything. (laughs) Uh, And she had a daughter. I don't even remember how old she turned, but she invited me to her daughter's birthday. All these things that she and that they did. I had another, a, a, some good uh, girlfriends there that, and they just invited me and I would come because I love them and I knew they were wanting to love me and I would just sit and sometimes I would just cry <laughs> at a birthday party. It was uh, awful and wonderful at the same, <laughs> the same time. But that, that meant so much to me because it allowed me to be, um, it allowed me to be un- unapologetically working through all of the emotions with people mm. who love me. Mm. Um, So, and, you know, not everybody is comfortable with, <laughs> with uh, allowing themselves, you know, to, to do that, to be vulnerable at a birthday party, but, um, but, uh, they were, they were people that I loved. It wasn't just anyone, but, um, that, that meant so much because she wanted me to be a part no matter how uncomfortable it made her. Mm. Uh, and, and my best friend too, she was the same thing. I just, I never had to feel bad I didn't have enough emotion to care about what other people were feeling Mm -hmm. or how they were reacting to how I was feeling because Mm -hmm. that was often more hard than what I actually had to process myself because I had to then also meet their emotional like response Mm -hmm. and need. Um, So that, that probably was just the um, permission to be exactly as I was. And still be invited to be a part of what's going on in their lives. Still be invited and, you know the being the person who's going through something like that um you also have to allow for some people to say things that probably aren't very helpful <laughs> and i i i don't i can't really explain it when you've been in a situation like that you you understand people mean well but they say things that are yeah just rub you the wrong way uh-huh. and uh but but the truth is that it's if you can, you have to take the step back to realize like they are trying. These people are mm. my friends, uh, my family. They are trying to meet me where I am. Mm. They're, they're, there's no way that they can put themselves and understand what I'm going through. Mm. They're relating it to their experience. They want to reach out because they want to help. And mm. there's always a balance of that. You have to, not everybody is going to give you, you know, the encouragement that you need in the moment, but um, to allow yourself to, accept it all the good and the bad and mm. um 
sort through that yourself, you know. Um, I was thinking about what you what you shared now when you were going through the shock of it and, 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 and the tragedy of it and how you look around and it's your your world has shattered mm. and yet the world keeps going. Mm. There's still people walking down the street, there are people going shopping and they're doing their everyday regular stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking how the feeling of estrangement you can have to what's going on and the sense of like loneliness. Yeah. Um and how what your friends did to i mean you know like the kids birthday party it's it's very it's it's such a stark contrast to what you're mm-hmm. going through mm-hmm. and yet for them to be able to say like hey come here you don't have to put on like a, a mask you don't have to you know mm-hmm. adjust but you can we want you as what you're going through and who you are and we want you want you to be still a part of what's going on in our lives that as contrasting it may be, mm. that it's still that they still welcome you in. I, mm. I agree that that's a tough thing to do. It is. It is. <laughs> so, if you're listening, uh, good job. <laughs> that's that's big. But I, I think that's that's a that's a really good um, reminder mm. to, to to do that because the the other thing would be to uh, put people in more of a of seclusion. Um. But uh, when, you, when you talk about community, um, uh, this, uh, as a pastor, you get to hear people uh, talk about Stockholm and their experiences coming here. And one of the things that I often find is that people have really a hard time finding community. Mm. And you're, you're also coming from abroad. You're coming from the U.S. And, and I've lived there a couple of years. And I know that there's a, I would say that there is a warmer, stronger hospitality culture. Mm. In, in definitely in certain parts of the U.S. It's really, really strong. Um, and it's something that... It's different yes. in Stockholm. And I was wondering, you know, could you tell us, like, um, what have you seen that could be helpful for us uh, so that instead of just saying, like, oh, it just doesn't work here, but, like, oh, what, are, what might be some things that we can think about to build culture of, of hospitality or community? Mm. Um, yeah, it's definitely a different um, culture, but something that I uh, would say that I think is really beautiful about the Swedish culture is that I think that there is a sense of um, I think that if there is a um, uh, shortcoming Mm -hmm. it's not on the side of people being willing to help I think that the the shortcoming is on the side of people saying they need help and then accepting the help Um, because with my experience the friends that I have had if I have said that I needed help, or if I had said, hey, can can we come over? Can I invite myself over? I know it's super American, <laughs> but I, you know, there's never as, it might be uncomfortable and a little odd, but I've, it, it's not that people don't want to help or that people don't want to meet the needs of others. Mm-hmm. I I think that the, the, the greater sort of Swedish culture is to uh, f- take care of it on your own. Don't let people know. Mm. Um, and maybe not to be, I'm not sure what, what the heart of it is, but, um, I think that the thing that maybe could be, um, uh, I don't know how to put it into words, but something that could be better is, is also not just letting a need be known, 
honestly, mm-hmm. but then to willing be willing to like accept it. I mean, even if I try to pay for lunch for somebody here in Sweden, yeah. it's just not. It's, just, it's like offensive, and I don't really totally. I understand it because I live here and have lived mm-hmm. here for several years now. But mm-hmm. there's just the sense of like, if I want to help, can you just accept the help? Mm-hmm. Do you know? I think there's mm-hmm. something in that. Mm-hmm. Not not that there isn't a heart of hospitality and service and mm-hmm. and and helping, mm-hmm. uh, but there's just this. Um, I don't know. Um, there's like a term in Swedish, and I, I found out out like much later like i've lived here for like 20 plus years but they've never come across this but it's called a taksamhet skuld taksamhet skuld so like the the burden of gratefulness yeah (laughs) and for me it was very odd but like how people don't want to be placed in a burden of gratefulness so if i if i were to receive help from you that puts me already in debt Mm. to you uh, so as opposed to them just kind of being able to be like, oh, wow, mm. that was great. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so there's something specific maybe to our, uh, the Swedish culture where there is something there yeah. that's a little different. But but I think there is there is such a, um, uh, my experience I've seen, like there is such a desire to, to help and to serve mm-hmm. and to be hospitable. There just mm-hmm. has to also be an opportunity. And I haven't really figured out the code yet, how you get opportunity, you know, to present mm-hmm. itself in a, in a Swedish uh, culture because um, but uh, there's something in that I think that makes it challenging more challenging than it is in other cultures I mean one, one difference that I, I've noticed is in the states they're very good at kind of like the first the first impression getting to know you yeah and and I, I know that some people experience that as being somewhat uh, shallow or eat mm-hmm. league in Swedish uh, and that that might take people might take offense to that. Uh, and and I've noticed something of the opposite in, in, in Sweden. Whereas we, we might not be as good as the 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 the, the quick you know like mm. conversations, but once but loyalty yeah. and like actually oh, yes. being there and mm. being like you know like yeah. my word is oak like yes. that I would say a very awesome Swedish stoicism. Yes. Um, and we've talked like how can that be of benefit? How can that be a good thing? in terms of meeting people who are going through tough times? Mm. Um, Yeah, I guess the, when you are going through a time, like for me, everything changed. Everything changed. My, my whole course in life felt like it changed because we had only been, uh, we'd only been married a year. We were planning our future. I was still, Mm. I had just finished studying. We were moving towards to like find where we would serve in ministry together. What you know, all of this, and it just came just crumbling down. Everything is mm. so when you're going through something like grief like that. Everything is like you, there's things don't really make sense, mm. at least from my ex- experience. Um, uh, and to have somebody with this the stoicism or the loyalty, the like I'm here no matter what because mm. I said I would be and I am. Mm. That, um, you need that to lean against mm. because you can't do it on your own. Um, but then you also have to be willing to lean, and that's the that's always you know, that's a, it's difficult, uh, but. Yeah, I don't. I think that 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 beautiful quality that I also have experienced in Swedish people, customs, cultures, friendships that I have, Mm -hmm. like 
I have no doubt in my mind that the friends that I have will be my friends my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And those are the people that you need when you're going through something like that. You need mm-hmm. those people that are not like that. Ah, this is too uncomfortable. I can't handle this. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that that happens. That happened a lot actually in the States too. I had friends who I thought would be there and weren't and friends who I didn't realize how strong they, you know, how strong of a friendship we had were there through the whole thing. So that certainly happens here too. It, yeah. It's not a, you know, one or the other, but, yeah. um, but that, yeah, it's a, it's a huge asset to have that depth of friendship. Mm. Um, my parents were missionaries here, uh, for 24 years. And my mom used to describe what she experienced, the difference in friendships too, uh, or relationships that, that in the States it's very, the, the lake is vast, but very shallow. And in mm. Sweden, the lake is smaller, but, really deep oh so she always yeah n- not compared but was able to uh process that difference yeah. um with that illustration i've thought about that many times mm-hmm. um and even now when i go home and or this is home which is home i'm not sure <laughs> when i go to the states you see it yeah. i mean you see it so obviously and then when you come back there's just this depth but it takes longer to yeah. develop those friendships. Yeah. It, it takes, takes years mm-hmm. to develop those. Mm-hmm. That's why community is hard to find because and especially in a transient city like Stockholm, mm. you're not here for years and years and years. Yeah. Or not all of us are here for years and years. So that um, that time you need to build that yeah. is it's hard to find that here. Yeah. I was trying to put myself in a situation if if a friend of mine was going through something like that, what would it what would the difficulty be for me to kind of approach him or her? Uh, and one thing was like I wouldn't know what to say, mm. and I think that's a fear that many of us might have is that oh, but I would just I would just put my foot in my mouth and I would just say the wrong thing and it would just oh, uh, and it's something that like I talk about at home when you know we have people who we know that we have to and then we go like oh, what are we gonna say? Mm. Well, is there something you can kind of say to <laughs> push us <laughs> forward? <laughs> I think you just have to be okay with maybe saying the wrong thing. Mm. <laughs> the most important thing is that you're there. It's the presence. For me, it was the presence of people. I, I didn't, I can't remember, I can't remember specific things that everybody said, but I can remember who was there. Mm. Um, and I think that you're going to, you can't say the right thing because mm. there's no possible way that you could like really yeah. on your own be able to say something that's like you know i would say yeah seek the lord ask him for guidance what to say and sometimes it's okay not to say anything mm. um mm. yeah there's there's i can't uh, i don't know there's no like say this and mm. and it will but i i think that you just have to be okay with it not being i don't know right all the time but that you're willing to try or just to show that you care you know maybe even invite invite them into things that are happening in your own life yeah well it was great to to be able to invite be invited to things that were not about me Mm. because i was so tired of like having to like how are you doing like process out loud for people um you know at times um but so to be invited to a birthday party was great because I really just had to sit there. I didn't mm-hmm. have to like, and the people, they knew me. Uh, I didn't know everyone, but 
um, it was it was nice to think about something else besides you know me. Mm-hmm. So there is something to that too. It's not always like let's sit down and talk. It's just to come, just come be with us. Just you know, just be with us. You know, yeah. while we do something else or. Um, you mentioned uh, the, this kind of tangible presence that you experienced of God um, at the moment uh, when the tragedy struck, um, but then there was this whole process of of, of, of working through this tragedy. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what did your relationship with God look like there, and how did God lead oh, those yeah. things? Oh yeah. Well, I would say. I would say that the the thing that I probably learned or was most helpful through the process was um, my church had started a uh, reading the Bible in 90 days program and that uh, my late husband and I started at the beginning of September. Uh, he passed away September 22nd, so I had two months left to and I knew that I had to finish it because we had started it. We had to, I had to finish it just for, and 90 days, three months to read the Bible. It's a lot of reading yeah, every day. Yeah. And I needed it. The, the, just the, the word just washed over me. Uh, and I can't say that I, there was always things that stuck out to me, different things, different mm-hmm. stories, different verses that stuck out to me. But just his words, just in huge quantities, just mm-hmm. washing over me. Um, I finished that, and then I decided, then the church did another 90 days, so I did it again, and then I did it a third time, back to back. And I think just being in the Word, seeing how God has worked throughout history um, and seeing names of people that came and then died and then the work that continued after through them or despite mm. them or th- there was so much healing in that because it just gave me perspective to um, my life totally had been destroyed mm-hmm. by this, I thought. Mm-hmm. And I really, truly, the, the word of God is what showed me that, like, the Lord uses all of these things. It's not, your life is not over. It's not destroyed. It's not shattered. It's just rebuilt mm. for something else that you haven't fathomed. Mm. Um, and that, that, and then not to, and that was probably one of the, the biggest things, because it was consistent. I mean, uh so I read through the Bible three times, and uh, it sounds really simple. Um, but for those of you who ha- have read the Bible, read the Bible consistently, you know that when you don't, you, you miss it. Uh, I mean, you, and then when you come back to it, you realize how much it actually affects every day. It, it really affects how you think, how, mm. you, how you process things, how, who you, you know. Yeah. It just directed my eyes mm. to the Lord over and over and over again. Um, so that was, uh, 
a surprising it wasn't something I had planned I didn't even know maybe I didn't know at the time even that it was that it was helping me as much as it was until I was able, you know you reflect you know as, as you go um and then I, I did have a, a a counselor that I was able to speak to and um talking and processing and and writing and reading and mm-hmm. doing it again over and over and over again just as much as you need it I needed and my pastor's um wife um, she said the only way to get through the emotions is to get through the emotions. Mm. Yeah. Whatever you're feeling, yeah. feel it completely. Mm-hmm. If you're sad, give yourself time to be sad. Cry, weep. If you're angry, yeah. take the time to be angry. Tell God why you're angry. Yell at God if you need to yell at God. Ask the questions. Yeah. F- feel it. Experience that emotion fully and then you can move on to the next one and then maybe you have to do the same thing again and again and again um but to not be afraid of that process so whatever you need to do to get through that talking writing reading whatever that is um there's like no shortcut to go through mourning that's what she that's i will never forget her words with that she said there is a huge desert in front of you Mm -hmm. and you can't get through it except one step at a time Mm -hmm. and um and I knew from her life experience. I knew. I, I knew she knew what she was. Mm. Uh, what she was talking about. Mm. Um, Were you able to experience God in the desert? I mean, in this picture of this process of yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Countless times where I just felt little things. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it didn't happen, maybe it didn't happen every day that I felt, you know, it, it mm. wasn't a constant thing that I felt like he answered my every, you know. But mm. there were moments where I felt like, I just need this, mm. and he would answer it. Um, I can remember a time when I felt like I just didn't feel, because I had lost, um, I just wanted to feel special, because I feel like mm. I, this was this was farther along in, in the grief process than people had sort of moved on. And I was still in the desert. Um, And I just, I remember saying like, Lord, I just want to feel special, which is such a, (laughs) it feels so silly to say, but I I just want to feel special. And uh, a friend of mine had just had her first son and she, they weren't, they weren't letting anybody come in and visit them. And she called me and said, we're super, super hungry. Could you please bring us food? And I was like, yeah, totally. I'll be there. And I hung up the phone and I just said, oh, I feel so special. And it clicked like. This is exact. I mean, and it was like within five minutes of me saying I want to feel special to having this conversation to responding myself saying I feel so special. Little things like that where I feel like that has to be the Lord. It has to be. He cares about those things. He that's how he that's how mm-hmm. he encourages and how he, you know, touches your life in these everyday things. A close friend once uh, told me that. Uh a shepherd's calling is to be a wounded healer, and he he jokingly said, "Never trust a <laughs> never trust a shepherd without a limp." So he was like referring to Jacob, and then then the mm. process of maturation that a person needs to go through in order to be a leader. Um, and I want to ask you, how has this experience equipped you, helped you to love and serve others? Oh. That's a very difficult. My prayer has always been that 
um, that the Lord would use it somehow. I think probably if I had to say what I think, uh, being equipped with the ability to uh, be comfortable with really heavy and uh, overwhelming emotions. Um, I think it comes back to just being present. Mm. Because I know how much that meant to me. So if I can be there for somebody, I'll be there if I, ha- you know, if I get the opportunity. Um, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I had, I'm not equipped to say the right things or to do the right things, but I know that I can be there and I, and I'm, and it's okay. They can feel however they want. If they want someone there, I can, I can handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, I didn't find that the people that I thought could handle it could actually <laughs> handle mm-hmm. it, uh, and it doesn't have to be that I was weeping on the floor, but just it's a, it's a lot. And people get scared. You're afraid that might happen to me. It's like you don't want to think about it too much or to let it in too much because you, you don't want to experience it yourself. Uh, you don't want to put yourself in the situation. So it's it's not an easy um, uh, to enter into someone's grief is not an easy thing to do. I, I still it is hard. I, I still think it's hard. Even, you know, that ache when there's loss. Mm. Uh, but just to, I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm here. That feels like the, the best way I could say that I've been equipped is that I know how important that is, that mm-hmm. I'm here if you need me. Yeah. I'm reminded of, of like, maybe for me, that has been like the central promise that God has given. I mean, there's, you know, we talk about, oh, God has given us so many promises in the Bible, but the one that I kind of feel like, and so some of those promises, I feel like they're circumstantial. And I, I, and I question whether they are truly like promises that are true throughout all circumstances. But one, one promise that I always come back to that I, that I swear by, that I will, I'll live and die by, is I am with you. Mm-hmm. I am with you. Mm-hmm. And I know no matter what goes on, I know he is with me. And just having that experience, I think, mm-hmm. for different like life circumstances, it allows us to, to share that. And that's not little, and that's not nothing. Um, so today you're married with a wonderful husband. I'm not saying this to <laughs> like he you don't wonderful. know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you have two awesome kids. Um, mm. But the process of of loving again, uh, it, it could not have been mm. easy. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit about daring to love, to be vulnerable mm. again after loss? Yeah, that was hard. Um, I think it took a while to sort of uh, recognize myself again because I not only uh, I just sort of lost a sense of like mm, the things that made me me because a lot of it was stripped away, mm-hmm. but also um, like I had grown into something new. We are always growing and changing, so uh, it took a long time to recognize like myself again, and uh, and so. Yeah, to date again was super weird. <laughs> I it was awful. <laughs> it really was. Uh, uh, there were yeah, it wasn't. Um, and there's always there was always sort of like this like is this worth 
the mm. pain of loss? Like, is this really somebody who I can manage grieving over? Like, it just, is it worth going into another relationship because I don't want to go through that hurt again? Um, and that is, I, that, I don't know, uh, a, a long process. And um, But I, uh, if it weren't for the fact that this, that Johannes was, it's like the Lord, it's like the Lord knew what he was doing. <laughs> uh, it was so, it was, I was so thankful for, for, for God and the way he works because my, one of my biggest things has always been family and, and that my family would know who, who I was with, like that they would know that person, you know, um, and I, my parents were living in uh, Colorado, and I was in uh, Maryland, and then I moved to Vienna and taught as a music teacher for two mm-hmm. years. Um, but this was uh, how many years after that was uh, three, some years after, mm-hmm. um, and um, I just remember thinking, like, how will I ever find somebody that my family knows? Because that felt like I don't know. I want to be able to ask somebody, "What do you think about this person?" I don't know. I, I, he could be this person. Could be anybody. I don't know <laughs> who he is. Uh, and um, so when I uh, I contacted Johannes, I was working in Vienna because I had a student who had an audition in Stockholm, and he is his his parents were students of my parents in Sweden, uh, in the seventies. And he has always been friends with my sister. So I've always known who he was, mm. which is why I contacted him because mm-hmm. he had stayed at our house in the States when he came to visit. And, um, he didn't come to visit necessarily us, but came to mm-hmm. the States just a place to stay. So I thought, ah, I'll just ask, yeah. you know, and, uh, I, I mean, it happened so fast. And I just, this was another moment where I felt that same presence of the Lord was just like, it's going to be okay. This is this is something that I have for you, um, and I just it couldn't have been more. Um, I don't know, uh, obvious, easy in 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 the sense of I knew who he was. My parents knew his family. They knew where he came from, what the up- upbringing was. I knew, you know, there's there's so much that you get when your when your family is familiar with. And not everybody gets that, and that's that's okay. I was willing to sort of you know figure that out, but uh, I was so blessed when uh, this just it really truly felt like it just fell in my lap. This opportunity uh, to find love again, mm. and then I think it just you know I just knew. So then you just had to move forward despite despite the the fear of the loss again, but that. Um, those vows of, of saying till death do us part meant I was so different uh, to say that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because when you say it, you think like when you're old or right. after sickness or you don't think, um, and, and you shouldn't think obviously in, 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 in those ways. So uh, yeah, it was, it's a process it's been a process. This process of, of love, loss, and love again. How has it changed the way you relate to God and how you relate to life? Mm. Um, 
I think that the what I experienced, um, probably the best thing that I gained was perspective on myself in the scheme of what God is doing. Um, and I don't mean in, in my life or even in my generation. I just mean, I mean, or like the whole Bible mm. to whenever he comes again. Mm. There is a there is a, a smallness that I was so thankful because it wasn't, uh, it means more than what I'm going through. It's, it, it's more important than how I'm feeling right now or what I'm going through right now. So I, this is perspective. It was a perspective mm. shift. Mm. Um, um, yeah. So every, I mean, every difficulty is of course painted by, uh, that experience and, and you think, okay, but, but there has been, uh, I have gained a sense of, uh, I know that the Lord is going to get me through this because he has gotten me through much worse before or, mm. Or if there's something worse ahead, I know that he will be there just as surely as he was before. Or for those throughout the people that I have known who've been through tragic things in their lives or stories in the Bible that you Mm -hmm. read of people who faced enormous tragedy and loss that I can't even fathom. And he was still with them. So that perspective has changed, is life-changing. Thank you, Christy, for sharing with us your story. Um, We're going to take a little break here, and then uh, we're going to come back with one last question. So we always ask this one question for all our guests. uh, And the question is, what does faith in everyday life mean to you? Faith in everyday life. For me, it is keeping my gaze up on, on Christ and what he's doing. And with that comes uh, a balance that allows you to sort of weather a lot of things. I think of um, Peter walking on the water, his eyes, he had to look to Christ, he had to look up, he had to reach to Christ to get, to not be overcome by the waves. And that's, that's the picture of everyday faith to me. Eyes up, reaching for Christ. That's where that's where you're going to find the stability, the the answers, the the strength to be able to continue in what you're doing or what you're facing. Um, and also a proper like thankfulness then for when things are going well and when you are send you know you're experiencing God's blessing. Your eyes are also up to say thank you for that because it's so easy to. When it's hard, that's what we'll do. And when it's easy, you forget that the Lord is still the Lord. Um, so for me, it truly is a practice of keeping my gaze up um, to Christ. What happened with Peter when you pulled his gaze away? Well, I don't think it went so well. <laughs> do you remember who pulled him up? Jesus pulled him up. 
So I just want to, yeah, send that to our listeners as well. Yeah. Keep your gaze up. Um, and yeah, even if you fall. Yeah. Uh, and you will. That's and you thing. will. That's the thing. And you will. He'll pull you back up. And he knows. That's, the, that's also, he knows. He expects you to fall too because mm. he knows we're human, right? And he's yeah. there. Christy, thank you so much for coming in and sharing with us. Thank you for the opportunity. Det är ju inte så lätt att sammanfatta det här, kan man säga. Det var otroligt berörande att höra Christiana berätta, men också väldigt mycket att ta med sig. Jag tyckte att det var otroligt vackert, hennes beskrivning av hur Gud mötte henne i sorgen samtidigt som hennes man gick bort den här starka närvaron av att Gud, Gud är där och eh, han lägger liksom sin varma filt runt henne mm. otroligt vacker mm. eh, vackert möte med Gud eh, så eh, jag tror att Gud är sånt han möter oss oftast när, när vi är som mest sköra och sårbara så, mm. så möter han oss där mitt i, mm. mitt i sorgen och eh, om vi är öppna för att han, att han, att han finns där så, så vill han möta med oss i det. Men jag, jag blev också väldigt... Jag tycker alltid det är så otroligt vackert när, när människor steppar upp när, när sånt här händer och hjälper till. Och den här omsorgen som hennes församling, hennes familj visade henne under den här tiden. Det i sig är ju väldigt helande. Hon sa det här att jag kan inte komma ihåg vad de sa men jag kommer ihåg vilka som var där. Och jag tänker att det är verkligen så sant. Alltså när, när vi går igenom svåra saker så eh, vi minns inte allt som sa det så hej och hå, men, men vi minns vilka som var där och hjälpte till och som fanns där och som satt bredvid oss. Eh, och det betyder någonting och jag tänker att, att det är verkligen eh, något vi får ta med oss. Att det gör inte så mycket om du råkar säga fel. Eh, Eh, när man är i en sån situation så ser man oftast igenom och så ser man kärleken bakom de där kanske ibland klumpiga mm. sakerna man säger men man ser kärleken för du, du är här och du, du står fast eh, och att, att ta med oss där när vi möter människor som, som kämpar med sorg det, det tror jag är väldigt viktigt mm. Ja, jag blev väldigt berörd av, av just det här med närvaron eh. Både Guds närvaron men också liksom närvaron av hennes vänner och, och församlingarna. Kunna stå tillsammans med henne och, och ge henne utrymme och rum. För att gå igenom det hon går igenom. Mm. Um, det, jag, jag har gått igenom en, en, en utbränning. Och en av grejerna som jag upplevde efteråt är att det... det Plötsligt kom upp massor med människor som jag hade ingen aning om innan som hade en utbränning. Ja. Och sen började de dela med sig och så öppnade upp. Ja. Och där kände man en viss, liksom, oh wow, du vet hur det är. Och de stannar upp och de ger tid och de ger utrymme. Mm. Och det, det är inte så här påskyndad. Like, det är inte så här, when are you going to get out of this? När, när ska du liksom börja liksom mm. röra på dig igen? Utan det, det var väldigt mycket. Liksom, jag, jag sitter här och jag stannar med dig. Mm. Så, och det var så viktigt för mig. Mm. 
Och, och, men de, var, de kunde göra det för att de hade varit med om det. Och jag tänkte också på det som Christy säger att att på något sätt att hon kan hon är kanske inte full, fulländad liksom comfortable, alltså bekväm med att möta människor i tragedin, men ändå att hon kan få kvar mm. så, mm. Uh, och det finns en sång, jag kommer ihåg det en, en sång som pratar om Jesus som smärtornas man, mm. utifrån så här i Isaiah 53 kring liksom någon som är van med smärta mm. så like, like, och jag tänkte bara, men Gud som är van vid smärta mm. att han stannar kvar hos oss Liksom att han har den liksom, kärleken mm. han har den här tålamodet han har den här omsorgen mm. och såklart det är inte så att man önskar inte att någon ska gå igenom svåra saker liksom. det gör man inte men att människor som har gått igenom svåra saker med Gud mm. att de bär med sig något, något hopp och, en, och jag skulle säga en tyngd så det är nästan så att you know, man möter några människor och man märker att oh man, man, that person, det fanns någon så här tyngd hos den personen. Jag undrar vad det var. Mm. Och sen så får man höra deras livsberättelse. Mm. Och sen så bara, oh, that's why. Mm. <laughs> de har varit med om en hel del saker. Mm. De har sett Guds trofasthet. De har sett mm. hur Gud bär. That's why they can have that. Mm. Ah. Mm. Mm. Det var otroligt att höra en bra påminnelse. Mm. Jag tyckte också att det var en bra påminnelse- också kring, kring vår kultur i, i Sverige just det här med att vi inte är så bra på att fråga om hjälp och att vi mm. inte liksom bjuder in mm. människor i vår, vår sorg och det, det kan ju verkligen liksom se att det finns vi vill hjälp, gärna hjälpa men vi vill sällan ta emot hjälp och att, att faktiskt att vi behöver bli bättre på att gå emot den eh, negativa sidan av vår kultur eh, att att faktiskt våga be om hjälp och våga bjuda in människor och våga säga att jag behöver det här snälla kan du, kan du öppna ditt hem för mig eller kan du laga mat eller kan du göra det här för att vi, ja, jag, jag tror att det är en del av en gudsrikes kultur på något sätt att, att både mm. våga eh, ta emot hjälp och att ge hjälp eh, så, eh, så det, det tror jag är en, en viktig sak att, att liksom Skicka med efter det här samtalet. Att mm. tänk på att våga be om hjälp. Mm. Och bryta den kulturen. Mm. Och be om hjälp även om du inte ens behöver hjälp. Bara få bryta den kulturen. För att, att vi behöver jobba på det tror jag. Så. Ja, hon nämnde ju att, att det är svårt i Stockholm. När det är en, en transient. Att det är folk som mm. kommer och går ofta. Ja, absolut. Mm. Men jag tänker att det är också en utmaning. att Ja, så, så är det. Så ser ja. det ut i Stockholm. Mm. Men fortsätt att investera mm. i relationer. Mm. Don't, alltså, ge inte upp bara för så, så det ser ut utan mm. våga vara modig och investera i relationer mm. och ja det finns en sorg att säga hej då mm. men det, det innebär inte att vi kan sluta skapa mm. relationer ja. ja den gången som sa till oss att med Jesus tog all världens mörker och smärta och sorg och skuld på sig och det är därför som vi som kristna kan kan stå fast mitt i när vi möter sorg och smärta och ondska och allting. Att vi kan stå, stå kvar för att vi vet att Jesus tog det på sig och det har inte sista ordet. Mm. Och jag tänker att det, det är också någonting vi får minnas när vi möter sorg och smärta hos människor. Att liksom, jag kan stå kvar här för att, för att Jesus tog det på sig och den här smärtan och den här sorgen. Och den här ondskan har inte sista ordet. Mm. Det, är, det är Jesus som har det. Mm. Så det tror jag kan vara en viktig tanke att ta med. Mm. Hon tog med sig ju hela den här. Hur viktigt det är att förankra sitt liv i den större 
Guds berättelse. Ja, absolut, hon, hon nämnde flera liksom person, alltså hur hon kunde relatera till människorna i Bibeln och se deras berättelser och kunna applicera det på sitt eget liv. Jättebra. Ja, Ja, så nu så får vi se fram emot nästa veckas avsnitt. Och nu är det ju faktiskt sommar, så det kommer att vara lite sommarspecial här, här i sommar. Mm. Så att ni får se fram emot lite sommarspecialprogram. Mm. Mm. Så det var jätteroligt att ha Christiana här. Mm, Podden läggs ut på torsdagar klockan 13.30. Uh, lyssna på det uh, och gärna dela den med, med era vänner uh, det finns där poddar finns mm. så får vi önska er en fin vecka hej då hej då